mental health and well-being are rightly uh, big topics at the moment and issues that we as parliamentarians and staff are dealing with uh, in a, a large degree um, from our constituents and people across the country. And therefore, it's really important to focus on this issue, but also aware of the impact that the last year has had on ourselves on our colleagues, on our friends and our families. And therefore, many of you will have had first-hand experience of supporting people through this time. Just like physical health challenges, mental health challenges can impact on all of us at any one time in, to varying degrees and in different ways. Therefore, I'm delighted that Christians in Parliament have organised this event today, um, a space to explore and reflect. I'm absolutely delighted um, with the panel we have today. So Dr. Kate Middleton, Dr. Steve Midgley and Dr. Chichi Obuani. So if I can invite Kate to introduce herself and then um, I will introduce our other guests too. Thank you so much, Rachel. And good afternoon, everyone. It's a pleasure to be with you. So I'm a psychologist by background and throughout pandemic, I've been working to support people of all ages and from all backgrounds working with people from frontline positions through to parents, families, teenagers, just trying to manage and navigate this strange new world in which we found ourselves. I'm also one of the directors of the Mind and Soul Foundation, which is a national Christian organization working in this field of mental and emotional well-being. And during pandemic, I've also been able to, to launch an entirely new project called Headstrong, which is an online space focusing on well-being aimed at teenagers and young people. Thank you for that, Kate. Uh, Steve, could I turn to you next? Uh, thank you, uh, Rachel. Um, delighted to, to be joining this uh, this afternoon. My name is Steve Mitchell. I'm the vicar of uh, Christchurch in Cambridge. We're a city centre church. I've been working here for coming up 20 years now. Um, my other role is as a director of an organisation called Biblical Counselling UK. Um, and that's all arisen out of um, uh, my sort of pre-ordination life uh, when I was a doctor working in psychiatry and with a particular interest in psychotherapy. Um, I'd actually become a Christian in my, in my very first year as a medical student. Um, and I think uh, after that, by the time I was taking professional exams in psychiatry, I, um, I was aware both of the tremendous skill and care um, and um, the enormous benefit that came out of the psychotherapy world. Um, but I also was becoming aware of sort of the, um, uh, some of the, the difficulties there were uh, in working out how to fit, fit a, a sort of a, a worldview from, from the psychotherapies with, um, uh, with a Christian sort of perspective and how few people seem to have done much work in tying those two things together. Um, and it was actually about 10 years later that I came across the work of the biblical counselling movement um, who had done some good thinking um, in this area. And um, I found what they had done uh, in tying some of these areas together really, really helpful, both personally and in my ministry. Um, and together with others who'd found the same sort of thing about seven or eight years ago, um, we got um, Biblical Counselling UK uh, going. Uh, we ran a certificate course um, and... Uh, we also have interns in churches uh, in a number of places around the country. Thank you for that, Steve. We certainly look forward to hearing more of your reflections later. Chichi, if you can introduce yourself too. Thank you, Rachel. I'm Chichi Obuaya. I'm a consultant psychiatrist. So I see adults 
um, with a range of mental health conditions and I work uh, in the NHS and in private practice. Uh, I'm also a director of the, the Mind and Soul Foundation with Kate and um, I can reassure everyone I'm not, um, I'm not anxious, I am genuinely shivering because I've been seeing patients in my consulting room this morning and I've had the windows open so uh, I'm a little bit on the frosty side at the moment but uh, really looking forward to this discussion. Well, I hope this uh, this discussion warms you up, Chichi. Um, thanks so much. It is a real honour to have all okay, of you present and such a, a distinguished presentation. So, um, Kate, if I can turn to you first, can you just help us understand how the circumstances resultant of the pandemic is impacting on us at this time? Yes, thank you. And and, and it has been. As a psychologist, it's been this strange parallel of a, of a sort of wonderfully fascinating time in terms of how it's affected people and human beings across all backgrounds and age groups, but also a time which I've also been navigating myself. So I, I am currently sat in my home study and I can hear noises off of my children who I am homeschooling right now. So, so it, it has been an incredible time, hasn't it? And I think it was a psychologist called Dr. Rowena Hill who first used Used the phrase um, talking about how this had uniquely affected everyone everywhere in everything and I think this this almost in an instant total transformation to our normal rhythms and routines has been so impactful whatever the the different impacts on people everyone's circumstances are different for some people this has been and continues to be a season of extreme demand and pressure for others the challenge has been 10 11 months of isolation and furlough and tedium and and those are two real extremes but they both place great challenges on our mind because your your brain uses your rhythm and routine as a way to keep your stress baseline low and so this this massive disruption and change has raised universally almost everyone's stress baseline and and that combined with for many people pressures whether it is juggling homeschooling with work financial anxieties and pressures or just an awareness of your physical potential vulnerability and anxiety for yourself or loved ones who you're caring for and trying to support that that has pushed many people close to the, the sort of crisis level where genuinely our capacity to manage what life is throwing at us right now is, is very close to being exceeded. And, and I think most people would reflect either moments or longer periods or even an entire season now of months and months and months where we've been just all too aware of living on the edge of overwhelm. And, and I think, that, that's the other issue, isn't it? You know, way back in March 2020, we went back into what I think most of us thought would be a short-term acute crisis season. But, but now we're 10, 11 months in. And, and many of the things that instinctively we do as human beings in short-term crisis have a, a sort of shelf life. They have a limit. We can't sustain them for this kind of length of season. So, so almost everyone I'm talking to now is very uncomfortably aware that they, they are tired, they are exhausted, they feel at the limit of their reserves, that there's a real sense of anxiety around what, what if this continues, we're, we're holding uncertainty, and many people just feeling in limbo, they can't process, they can't move on yet, because this isn't over, and we, we don't know when it will be over. 
and and of course because it is 10 11 months now you know in a short-term crisis normal life goes on hold 10 11 months in we're having to try to sustain something now and, and work out a new way to live so so that increases the juggle it increases the challenge and, and as i say many many people right now back in lockdown are are facing that in an acute way dealing with their family life the responsibility Abilities of parenting or supporting other loved ones whilst also trying to keep going work and financial responsibility and all the things that are just part of normal adult life. Everyone's experience has been so different and of course some people have experienced quite acute trauma having been ill themselves or lost their job or lost loved ones as well so there's a lot that is going on. Perhaps Chichi you could uh, set out a little bit about what's going on in our minds over this period. Yes, and I think it's important to think about what's going on for us collectively as well as individually. Uh, and let's start with the former because there have been studies of what happens when there's collective trauma. Um, and that helps to provide the context in which our individual experiences are taking place. Uh, and this is relevant to uh, the past uh, 11 months now, I think it is. Um, so there's a there's a curve which I'm, I'm happy to share it's called the Zunin Myers curve and it looks at uh, collective trauma with a small t so we're not talking about the specific traumas uh, that might be more consistent with post-traumatic stress disorder something life-threatening something very personal but as Kate alluded to this affects everybody and if you if you go back to March last year we had uh, that preparation phase where we knew something was coming um, and then um, this honeymoon period and, and a heroic um, part of the curve. Uh, there was a sense of unity. Uh, of course, it's, it's very poignant that uh, Captain Tom Moore's just passed away. And he was really the embodiment of that sense of unity about people pulling together. Uh, people were, were meeting their neighbours and, and really looking out for each other. And since then, there's been that curve of disillusionment that followed. So a number of things that have happened, um, some very relevant to this audience. Um, you had the, the impact of the George Floyd killing globally and in the UK. Uh, there are a number of things that happened in this country that I think um, sowed the seeds for a sense of distrust in authority figures. And if you look at the curve, because uh, this is this is going back many, many years, it mentions that this phase can occur for up to a year. And what we're trying to do is now go on that, uh, the upward bit of the curve uh, towards restoration and reconstruction. Um, but I think it's important because it, it outlines uh, what's going on, because sometimes you just, you get this feeling in society that there's something else going on beyond what's happening for us as individuals. Uh, but I think on an individual level, it's important to understand uh, some of the, the basic science around our hormonal responses. Uh, and uh, those hormones, adrenaline and cortisol are, are top of the list. So adrenaline is part of the sympathetic nervous system and, and the so-called fight, flight or freeze response that occurs uh, in response to a very significant stressor. That can be helpful if we're facing imminent danger. Uh, if a tiger was about to, to jump on top of me, it's quite good that I can either jump out of the window or I can 
uh, try and fight it, or I'm just going to freeze. Um, if that's happening persistently when there's no immediate danger, that's not such a good thing. And cortisol, similarly, it's sort of there in the background. Uh, and to have very high levels of those hormones is going to uh, raise our anxiety levels. So when I'm speaking to individual patients, uh, a big part of helping people to navigate this time is just to give them a basic explanation as to what's happening. And I think the key thing for me to emphasize is a lot of the anxiety people are feeling is actually quite normal. Um, and we've got to be careful not to, to medicalize a normal experience. It's normal for people to feel anxious uh, at the best of times, but particularly now when there are such significant pressures uh, on every aspect of our lives. So really, really key message there that anxiety is normal, helping people to understand what's going on and also thinking about some of the practical measures we can take uh, to manage that. So clearly there are a lot of things that are out of our control as individuals, but there are a few things that we can do. And I would certainly emphasize controlling the controllables. Perhaps we'll get onto that as we go along. Thank you, uh, Chi Chi. Steve, if I can bring you in at this point, obviously um, a lot of different emotions and pressures being put on people. Uh, how does a Christian perspective kind of add to that? What, what does that bring um, to the kind of wider dialogue of what's going on? Yeah, I really, really appreciate um, the, the, uh, the way that Kate and Chi Chi have, have set out um, those factors. Um, you know, in a sense that, you know, as, as Kate has made clear, there's so much coming at us. You know, the external stresses are huge at the moment um, and, uh, and they're having a big, big impact within us, as, as Chi Chi has said. Um, I suppose um, the, way I would, the way I'd want to, to build on that um, would be to say that two people facing the same set of stresses um, react in, in, in different ways. Um, and so that, that gives us a clue to the fact that um, as well as stuff coming at us, if I can put it like that, stuff comes out of us as well. Um, you know, we, we have our individual response built around our particular way of, of, of behaving and thinking. Um, and sometimes that may be pre-existing tendencies, perhaps to be an irritable person or to be a fearful person. Um, and this intensification that Kate has, uh, has clarified for us kind of uh, accentuates those responses, uh, which then become heightened. Um, but there's, there's also a, a factor sort of coming out of us in terms of our beliefs, um, the, the things we believe are important, the things that, um, uh, that we believe about ourselves and about the world and indeed about God. Um, so that if we have a really strong belief that um, it's important to have things ordered and under control, then the, the fact that we find ourselves in a, in a very out of control situation um, where we, where we haven't got the, the sort of the agency um, that we, that we're used to having, that will be really troubling for us. Um, or to take a, another example, if, if we're somebody who is, who is determined to avoid risk and feel as though it's my responsibility to keep myself safe, uh, then again, in, in, a, in a world that has suddenly become much riskier, um, that'll be much more difficult for us than somebody who kind of shrugs their shoulders and says, well, I'm, I'm a bit of a risk taker, actually. Um, you know, we differ. Um, and th those, those differences aren't just about sort of temperament. They are, they're connected with our beliefs. 
um, it spills over into the spiritual realm. Um, what I believe about who's ultimately in charge, where control really rests, um, matters. Um, and uh, uh, similarly, what I believe about suffering and about death, um, that too um, will determine the, the, the way in which I respond uh, to these stresses coming at me. Um, so our, our, our convictions um, about spiritual matters actually have a very big bearing. Um, and in a context where things feel out of control, and when a context where things feel risky, how we deal with those two issues at a, at a, at a spiritual level is pretty significant. Um, the, the other thing I just mentioned briefly would be also the way we understand suffering. Um, um, at one level, it seems obvious that suffering is, is a bad thing and we want to avoid it completely. And, and the fact that there is so much suffering and struggle going on at the moment is, is bad and we want to stop it. And, and of course, that's right. But there's plenty in the Christian faith to suggest that suffering isn't something that God is unable to use. Um, God, it seems, has a particular capacity to take and use suffering for good. You've only got to think about uh, the central um, event of the Christian faith, the death of Jesus on the cross, to see that God has a, has a, a phenomenal capacity to take suffering and difficulty you know, a very bad thing, Jesus being crucified, and turn it into um, the central redemptive event. Um, and plenty in the Bible to say he does similar things with us, that difficulty in our lives God uses to refine our faith, um, that the struggles that we face, um, you know, James in his letter dares to say, count it joy when you face trials, because you know the testing of your faith brings perseverance, and perseverance will complete uh, when we're, you know, when we will be mature. And now that's, that's, that feels like such a dangerous thing to say, and yet it's a really valuable perspective to have in a context where we're all enduring suffering. God can take it and use it. That's uh, really reassuring, and, and one certainty that we can have is, is that God is in control of the situation, has got purpose behind that, and, and we need to trust him. Um, through that time. Kate, if I can turn back to you, we, we talked about kind of a lot of what's going on, but can you perhaps provide some kind of practical ways that we can actually deal with some of the anxiety, the emotions, um, the challenges that are presented to us at the moment, particularly, you know, obviously kind of the emotional response that we have to the different situations we, we're facing on a day-to-day -day basis and how practically we can uh, work our way through some of that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I guess one of the challenges that we have in our mindset um, for the current season is recognising that there, there is an unusual nature of this challenge for us as human beings, because it is a, it is a global situation that we find ourselves in. So we, we cannot change and resolve the wider context with which we're struggling. So our practical approach to managing this season is one of thinking, how do we sustain ourselves and those we love, those we're 
supporting people in our teams and our families and our friendship circles. Whilst this wider situation sort of sorts itself out and ultimately, as you said, as people of faith, our, our biggest hope comes from our knowledge that, that there's a bigger story playing out here, that, that this will resolve. This is not the end of God's story for humanity. But, but it does mean that really what we're faced with is what, what, what I'm calling a, a challenge of, of working out how to tread water until the tide turns. And, and that can feel in uh, if you don't recognize what you're doing, as Chishi says, understanding is so important. It can feel like you're literally just wasting time filling days. And that can feel like like maybe it's futile or it's a bad thing to do. But actually, in this season, it, it is exactly what we need to do. So, so much of what we're dealing with is about biology and physiology and overwhelm and exhaustion. And so we, we fight biology with biology and we can be clever in terms of things that we know will counteract some of the wider impact of this situation on us. So interesting hearing Steve talking about the, you know, the challenge to our sense of being in control and agency. So many of the things this season has challenged are key needs that we have as human beings. They're built into our DNA. And, and we can, in difficult moments, improve our sense of agency and control by doing little things, by building into life little wins that are about productivity, things we can feel effective in, things we can actually finish you know so much of this season is just about the frustration of it just feeling like you never get to do anything properly I, I have I've had moments in the last month where I've just thought I don't think I've ever failed at so many things simultaneously before and so those little moments where you can actually complete something successfully that improves your sense of agency and efficacy and it lifts mood things like the triggering endorphin release you know exercise getting out into the fresh air we know it lifts mood both because of just the the physical impact of of exercise and endorphin release but also something about that connection with the great outdoors and with creation that's so important to us you know we've been stuck inside for so long this winter and and of course being creative about how we do connection with people, because again, that's a core need. It's, it's not easy though. And sometimes we have to do other things to prioritize that, to make sure we've got enough energy to do the social Zoom at the end of a long working week. It's no good if you've planned some amazing Zoom quiz, but it gets to Friday and you just haven't got the energy to do it. So we have to be proactive. We have to be creative about doing this. And, and I think the one thing I would add, as, as well as this being about treading water in this season, that there is good news in this. And, you know, Steve and I haven't conferred before we joined this, this call, but it's great hearing him quoting Paul, because I think the ancient wisdom of the Bible just sits so well alongside what we know about human psychology in this season. And Chi Chi shared some of that, too. And, and, and I love what Paul says, too, you know, Romans 5, talking about how we can actually have confidence in times of trouble that our, our pressures, this is the Passion Translation of Romans 5, it says our, our pressures will develop in us patient endurance and patient endurance will refine our character and proven character leads us back to hope. So because we know it, it from modern day psychology that actually our ability to manage challenging times, our ability to grow resilience, to hold 
good things, even in the presence of challenge, this sort of refining character that Paul talks about, we, we can grow that. And so the things that we're building into life, some of these little practical steps, the little things that, that may not feel like they're changing the global situation of pandemic, but they help us feel better in that moment. But also there is an exciting potential there in the midst of pain in a difficult time because we're learning skills that maybe when we come out of pandemic will have grown something in us. They, they've grown our ability to face challenge and pressure and, and ultimately our ability to hold hope and light and life. And again, as people of faith, this is our calling to bring the kingdom of God to the people and the places around us. And this is an unusual time. It's a pressure time. It's an exhausting time, but, but maybe in the midst of all that, there is a potential for something that we will take into the next season because this will end, the tide will turn eventually. We don't know when, but it will. That's brilliant, Kate. And I think there is a temptation in all of us to look back to what was before to think this golden age. Um, but the reality is we are working extortionate hours. There are lots of pressures. There's a lot of inequality, as we've seen. And in some ways, this is about transitioning into a different phase in our lives and it's really important that we rebuild balances perhaps that weren't there before as well. Steve if I can turn to you on that matter and just um, ask you to reflect on what kind of spiritual steps um, we can take um, at this time and particularly um, you know if, if it is impacting on our mental well-being as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah thanks Rachel. Uh, I, I suppose one way of thinking about what, what's happening to us at the moment is that is that to some extent we're being revealed um the extra pressure of the pandemic kind of reveals things about us and about the way that that, that we operate and i think that from what i was saying earlier it also you know it, it can reveal the things that we if i can put it like this functionally believe because often there's a difference between the things that we profess you know we maybe those of us who are christian believers you know we, we have a set of things that we that we say we believe about god under pressure it sometimes looks as though functionally we believe something rather different. Um, and maybe it reveals the, the way in which we do need to be in control. Um, and, and, and one of the things we then need to do is to say, you know, I need to return to this truth that God is in control. Um, or maybe um, under pressure, I begin to feel I'm terrified because I feel alone. Uh, and I need to return to, to, to Bible passages that remind me that God is with me. Um, and that he doesn't abandon me uh, and that no one can snatch me uh, out of God's hand. Um, or we feel as if it's our job to work out exactly what needs to be done. Um, and we return to the idea that we have a, we have a, we have a shepherd of the sheep, um, that, that Christ declares himself to be the good shepherd uh, who, who guides us. And our task is, is not to puzzle it all out on our own, uh, but to be disciples and to follow. Um, and, and just realising some of our, our functionally false beliefs um, and, then, and then going to God to, to, try, and, uh, to try and correct those. I, I think in, in all sorts of ways, um, when, when stresses mount and when our, our sense of anxiety and our sense of being overwhelmed mounts, it's often because we're trying to function without God. Um, I think Luke, Luke chapter 12 um, is a fascinating sort of chapter in which Jesus addresses issues of anxiety and worry. Um, and 
predominantly what he says is you're behaving um, when you worry um, and when you when you live with with high levels of uh, of sort of feeling overwhelmed and anxious you're you're living as functional orphans is is almost sense you've forgotten that you've got a heavenly father who cares for you it's as if he's disappeared from your world and you need to get him back in you need to see him afresh um, and some, something similar I think happens at the end of the book of Job I mean having faced all that terrible suffering at the end Job isn't given sort of answers to to his intellectual puzzles he's confronted with the greatness of God and somehow seeing the 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 vastness the 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 majesty of God um, orientates him properly again Um, he sees who he is in relation to God um, and that settles us um, and I think it always does. It's a scary thing imagining it's our job to run the world. It's, a, it's, a, it's an overwhelming thing if we think everything rests upon us. And remembering that there is a God upon whom those things do rest um, puts us back into our proper place and actually settles us. That's so helpful, particularly as politicians, we um, have that um, tendency to want to be the solution to everything, control everything. And um, actually we do need to look at where our rightful place is in all of this. Chi Chi, if I can bring you in too, I don't know if you want to add to that, but also um, to help us um, think through when we should be identifying that we actually do need that additional help, often those support networks that we've been so used to and those social connections, whether through church or elsewhere haven't worked the same as they have, but also for for some, they they do need additional kind of professional support through this time as well. Yeah, uh, Rachel, I might just add something. I I found that really uh, helpful myself. Just some other encouragement from scripture. Uh, Ecclesiastes 3, um, I belong to a home group, so we meet every week and um, picks up on, on Kate's point about keeping those connections going really really important uh, at this time and someone in my group uh, read from Ecclesiastes 3 it's just incredibly powerful Uh, and it talks about there being a time for everything and a season for every activity it talks about a time for weeping and for laughing a time for mourning and dancing a time for embracing and refraining from embracing Uh, and for me the words just jumped out um, and spoke to, to what we're going through at the moment. And I wanted to emphasize that um, it's going to be different things for different people. There are some people, not loads, but some people are actually uh, in a good place at the moment uh, for reasons that will be personal to them. And when I'm seeing them, uh, I'll tell them to, to embrace that and not to be ashamed or feel guilty about the fact that maybe it is a time to dance for them and they feel a sense of freedom. Um, But I think it's also about us not being discouraged and and understanding, as Kate said, that we're in a particular season, but not just um, passing the time and um, and hibernating until the situation changes, but to look for those opportunities uh, for personal and spiritual growth. So I emphasize the the point that um, a lot of what people are going through is normal. And rather than getting into the specifics of whether you meet the criteria for 
a given diagnosis, uh, an anxiety disorder, I think the concept uh, of a spectrum of, of distress and difficulty is really helpful. And so language that's a bit more accessible is to talk about thriving versus languishing. And if we're thriving, we're, we're very future oriented, we're generally feeling positive uh, about ourselves and the world and the future. Uh, we're looking outside as well. So again, if we go back to March and April, when we were knocking on our, on our neighbors' doors and finding out how people were doing and thinking about uh, people who are in need, maybe more so than, than now where people are feeling a bit tired and fed up and a bit more insular as a result. Um, consuming media and just being able to manage that um, is, is an example of, of being thriving. Whereas languishing is where uh, we're not sleeping as well we're, we're focused on our situations. It's a lot more anxiety driven. Our thinking is much more ruminative. Um, and so that can be a marker of us starting to struggle. And I think I would encourage people, not, not in a formal sense, but just keep auditing where you are. Uh, and I think we've all been through different seasons over the last 11 months. and. There are probably times when we'd say we're, we're thriving in spite of challenges and other times there's long weekends when um, you're just, um, you know, unable to find any inspiration, you feel fed up, it all feels rather mundane, where things are really tough. And, and therefore, we've talked about some of the practical tools to help you um, focus on, on things that, that can help you to cope and to, to help you to grow as well. But I, I, I think that the key marker would be what I call the three Ps. Um, so the first P would be problematic. Um, if you take any given problem, if it's, if it's it becoming more of an issue, um, so let's take uh, one example, which would be the fact that we're in closer proximity to our fridges. So um, comfort eating, um, drinking more, uh, these are things that are going to, to be big problems. Uh, and if it's pervasive, so it's starting to impact on our relationships or on our work or our sleep, uh, that would be the second P. Um, and if it's persisting, so we're, we're all going to have, um, I'm sure we have all had uh, difficult periods. It might be a week, it might be a weekend. But if it's persisting for weeks on end, that's where um, you're probably going to want to seek help. Let's not forget about our personal support networks. Uh, and I think uh, as Christians, uh, it's great when one has access to uh, members of our, our church community uh, and encourage people to have one or two people that you can really be accountable to, uh, that you can open up to and, and who are going to um, be those people to really journey with you and, and call you and find out how you're doing, not once or twice, but over a long period of time and you may belong to a group as well uh, and that's another way of I think normalizing what's going on and learning from other people's experiences then you have professional support uh, GP practices are still open uh, they're often operating in more of this remote sense um, but they're there and, and you've got the um, psychological therapy services uh, within the NHS that you can refer yourself directly to mainly. Um, and uh, they are 
uh, somewhat inundated. So the waiting times are something to, to bear in mind, but they are there. Um, I think when people are facing major crises, it's important to think about uh, the fact that emergency departments are there. Uh, you've got a crisis team for every borough within the country as well. And then you've got services like the Samaritans. If, if people are having really dark thoughts, um, you can reach out to them. Um, so I think it's it's a case of just navigating both the, the personal and professional support that's there. Thank you. That's so helpful. And I think your underlying message is reach out if you, you need support. Um, and there will always be people there ready to, to listen to you and to provide that practical help that you need. That just leads me to close today's event. And once more, thank Steve. Kate and Chi Chi so much. Um, I very much enjoyed today and got so much out of it and I trust everyone else has too. Thank you and take care everyone.